<laughs> Hiya, folks! It's great to see ya! Black Land Speeder Vehicle ID THX1138. Please return to your craft. You are parked in a no hover area. And now, let your imagination be your guide as Epcot Center proudly. W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 643, and together we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more as I take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook, community, books, audio tours, blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and find everything else at www.radio.com. So get your stretchy pants ready and don't listen hungry as this week I invite you to explore Epcot with me as we stroll, savor, and sip some of our favorites from this year's Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. We'll share 10-ish dishes, drinks, and desserts you need to try, what's new, and a surprise interview with one of the festival's head chefs. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, updates, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. It's the most wonderful, I know, I say that at the beginning of every single festival, but this time it's true. It's Christmas in July, if Christmas was 135 degrees with 95% humidity. But it is time, once again, for the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, which I will tell you in advance is going to taste, I think, better than ever, just because for so long we were without a festival and missed it during the past year. So we have a lot of time and beverages and calories to make up for and that is why this week we're going to share 10-ish by ish, I mean plus, things you need to try at this year's Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. Of course, I cannot, should not, and will not do this alone because I just can't stand the weird looks that I get from cast members when I order everything at a pavilion all by myself. So I have brought not one, not two, but three friends, dare I say culinary experts, to join me this week. The pressure is on, so get ready. Uh, joining me once again, I still believe in ladies first, chivalry will never die in Lou Mangiello's I will welcome Lisa Donato glassner from the Castle Run and CoreMemoryCandles.com. It's good to be back. I have not eaten yet today, so I think I'm ready. I'm trained and ready for this. 
Clearly you, like all of us, you've got your stretchy eating pants on, ready to go. I'd also want to welcome back, I think the last time was, you might remember, Ashley Coggins from last year's Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. Ashley is from and is a cup of charming. Hi, everybody. I'm really excited to be back today. It's a thousand degrees, but it's worth every single ounce of sweat just to get through this menus of today. Right. And you see, so you're even smarter. You've got the sundress on. It's very flowy and it moves and can sort of go and grow yes. with you as you go. And I think the last time maybe was the Epcot Flower and Garden. It was some <laughs> festival. Jason Knapp from Here with the Magic is here. He's bringing the magic for this year's festival. Well, thank you very much. And I apparently I missed the sundress memo, but um, but I, but it's not bad. You know, it's like the it's like Florida's air is giving you a big hug, is what it's like. So I'm I'm super looking forward to trying, well, as much as we can fit in our stomachs over the next couple of hours. <laughs> Every year I'm like I'm like I. I Years ago, a quick story, like I used to do literally a live walkabout. And I'm like, we're going to try like every, and it lasted like eight hours. And by the time you would end up like at, I don't know, the two o'clock position in the, I literally would like tap out. I'm like, I just can't do it. So we're going to try and sort of narrow it down to 10-ish things. Or the dare I say. Or ten, is that 10 each or 10 total? I think. Well, ten and, booths. Ten, ten booths. booths right? I think ten having gone down. through. We can't pick 10 items because it's never going to happen. And this year's festival is actually being rolled out a little bit differently because not every booth is open during this year's festival. There are some booths that, as you look through your festival passport, say that they open on October 1st. If I were a betting man, and I am, I would speculate to say that, and I know nothing, but I would hope that they might even open before the October 1st festivities begin but if you were looking for one more reason or in this case about 10 more reasons to come back to the festival in october there's a lot of of new booths this year they're going to open in october and some new booths we're going to try today show of audible hands who has been to the festival so far audible hand up audible hand no hands. No hands. So this really? is all going to be new for you. It is. Oh, I haven't gone yet. I've, I've been working in a kitchen and culinary. I, <laughs> I haven't been able to come out yet. So this is the first day I've had time to come and actually eat and peruse with so you. So you've been pre-gaming this yes. whole time. Research. Getting, getting ready for, yeah. uh, and obviously none of us ate this morning or even last night. I put down the bag of Doritos. I'm like, you got a big day ahead of you tomorrow. Uh, we've taken a quick look through the festival passport. Again, everything. circled 93% of the things in there, but we did. We actually tried it to narrow down. We're going to probably, most likely, potentially, maybe, skip some of the booths that have had returning festival favorites and classics, unless something really kind of jumps out at us. Having been here before or looked at the book, was is there anything that you're like, oh, I just can't wait until we get to X, or is it just, is it just mass quantities that you're looking forward to? Well, my book looks like the Sears Wish Book from my childhood because everything's dog-eared. But every toy is circled in here. Everything is, yes. But I haven't. So the only things that I've tried so far are on the other side of the World Showcase in Morocco and in American Adventure, and, and they're delicious. They're delicious. But I'm. I know you said we can't repeat things, but the chili killies. Oh well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I didn't say we're not going to repeat. Okay, okay, okay. So that I, I know that's a repeat, but I'm really looking forward to a chili killie. Yeah, I just, I'm looking forward to it. All right. 
Now I'm getting excited. Sorry. All right, so we are at we are standing at the um, the sunniest part. <laughs> we're trying to find some shade, but we are on the uh, the breezeway between Future World and World Showcase. We're obviously going to do this the one and only way that you can, which is going counter going clockwise, beginning at Mexico on the Amo. Yes. So you're going to walk and say yes. So we we have decided to. The first booth that you encounter is Hawaii, which is very tempting because I love me a tuna poke, but we're going to save that one for later because we've had it in the past. Swanky Saucy Swine, which is new this year, is next on the promenade. It has not one, not two, not, but it has four different items. Crispy barbecued pork rinds served with pimento cheese at $4.75. Roasted porchetta at $6.25. Soy glazed sticky ribs and crispy pig ear salad. We've literally been standing here for a few minutes debating the pros and cons of each and all of these. What is the overall feeling? I think I know where I'm heading, but what? So I hate to waste this much stomach real estate at the outset, but there's nothing on that list that feels eliminatable. Right, we make this mistake every time, but I feel like it's justifiable here. But I feel like there's going to be some, we're going to have this conversation this, this coming in like five minutes. Someone is going to say, oh my gosh, could you believe we almost didn't get the blank and it's right. our favorite right. thing. We have to, yeah, we can't, I mean, at, at this point, all in the interests of being thorough in the research, we're, we're going to do it all. And this, like I said, this is why I bring friends, because when I walk up and place the order, I'm, this is the funny looks that I'm going to get. Good morning. Can I please have the crispy barbecued pork rinds, the roasted porchetta, and the soy glazed sticky ribs, and the crispy pig-eared salad, please. Don't laugh. I can see. And we would like four waters, or do we want anything else? Four waters, please. I don't know if it can get any better than this. We are sitting, standing in the shade, under this beautiful tree. The bird is singing. He's singing along to some of the wonderful World Showcase music. And we have every single item from the swanky, saucy swan. This is, the amount of food we have on our table right now is how much people eat during an entire day at the festival. We decided to do it at the first one. And I almost wish I had the recorder going the whole time because as soon as we put it down, you all said individually and collectively how good everything looks. Like, presentation-wise, amount of food-wise, and you're right, everything looks great. And when I saw the salad word, I sort of backed off initially, but now I'm happy that we got all of the above, because I think this is the way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, where do we start first? I almost think we need to start with the Light. hot foods oh, really? first, well, so it doesn't get cold. Okay. So... Do you want to start with this or this? Why don't, oh, wait, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we start, since it's technically salad, we will start yeah, with... We'll start That's with. Warm is it not? No. Well, it's. I don't know. Don't stick your finger in it. I'll eat that bite. I'll eat that bite. All right, let's start with the hot stuff because we've we got. So now that you touched it, the soy glaze. First of all, one thing to note: look at the portion sizes yes. for everything here. I was very pleasantly surprised. Let's start with the soy glazed sticky ribs because Jason's just sort of. Hovering, hovering above it. Like historically, I usually dive in too fast, and I get a lot of ridicule for it. So I'm, I'm trying to behave, but you keep talking. Okay, go ahead. It's got it has green onions and peanuts on it, and I will let you all take your first. Is that jalapeno? Yeah, some jalapeno in there. It's good. 
and so a huge portion size. The, um, the what is this? It's really well caramelized, um, and it's not. I expected it to be spicy a little bit, like a little bit of heat or something. But I didn't get any jalapeno or whatever those things are. But it's it's tasty. The peanut adds a nice sort of um, sweet flavor to it. And I don't know, but I, I was trying to find the description in the book to find out what sauce that is. But I don't know which. It's like a barbecue. It just tastes smoky. <clears throat> it just tastes smoky to me. I'm yeah. ill-equipped Ill to talk about the subject. I'm not an expert, but. Oh, okay. It says because all it says is green onions and peanuts, but it oh soy glaze. It's soy glaze. Soy. That's what it is. So it yeah, has this good umami flavor to it. But um, it's not a sweet. Because usually on property, when you eat a wing, it's like a sweet Asian wing, and I, and this is you know this is very different. This is savory. There's nothing. It's savory, and it's it's also not spicy. Um, well, so it's what's so, I mean, got the jalapenos on it, which have a little kick. But it's good, and won't I think like my kids would eat this for sure. Yeah, mine too. Normally, I'm not a huge meat eater, but I really enjoyed this dish for the simplicity of it. You got a nice braise on the outside, tender meat on the inside. The texture rolls well with the green onions, the peanuts on top. That's kick of the nice little zest of heat at the end with the jalapeno on top. If you can, try to eat all in one bite so you can get that symphony of all the different flavors going around at once. It's really great. See, I was missing the symphony of the, I was missing the clarinet section. <laughs> you definitely need to eat it with the peanut mm -hmm. and yeah. the yeah. jalapeno. And the it adds a lot to it. Yeah. It's it's really good. You know, the more that I stand here and taste it, like the aftertaste, you know, yeah. it's 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 really a solid dish. And it's not heavily sauced. It's not like drenched in oh, sauce, no. which which I don't which I like. I don't necessarily like my ribs overly drenched. They're pretty dry, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not a messy messy rib. All right, let's move over to the roasted porchetta with pork fat rose. So I don't have my glass on. Pork fat roasted rosemary potatoes and lemon parsley salsa verde now we had a chance to get a little sample of this during a preview of the festival and as we were walking up friends around us are going listen skip the porchetta just get a plate of the potatoes and that's what we did i understand why but let's go in let's let's so taste what, so what should i try first the potatoes or i think the... we should go with the meat first okay. and then you... what's the sauce on it it is a salsa verde okay it is a lemon parsley salsa verde so please dig in I want to make sure I get a piece that's got a little bit of everything, a little bit of the fat. I can kind of see why they recommended the potatoes. <laughs> it's not my, it's, it's fine. It's not my favorite thing. It's a, it's a little, truth told, it's a little dry. Um, the sauce is saving it in yeah. a way because it's giving you that nice little moisture on the top of that. But I mm -mm. eat your potato. Okay. I'm going to eat the potato. Eat potato. Yeah. I mean, it's tasty. It's fine. It's good. Day, right? It doesn't. It's very accessible. It tastes good, it tastes yeah. good and oh. it's probably a hard thing to be very consistent okay. with. Mm. No way. <laughs> right. Potatoes are insane. So what are those potatoes? They must be, are they? In fat. Oh, Pork fat so roasted good. rosemary potatoes. That's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Well, I'll just, I'll just have one. I, mean, I wish if, you could order just the potatoes. I think, awesome. yeah. There's, there's a sweetness to them, yeah. which is really nice. Mm. There's a, a right? Mm. Like, <laughs> I, I wish I brought a masher. <laughs> yes. When the potatoes are smaller, they tend to have a sweeter component to them. Oh, and the pork is fine. Like, yeah. you can get past. Like, you, you can enjoy it and eat the potatoes. Like, the pork is not a throwaway. It's just not my favorite thing. It's not. I, I would not I would not come specifically for the pork, yeah. but I would definitely come back for the potatoes. All right, dig in mm. to the crispy pig-eared. 
That's great. Dig into the crispy pig ear salad. You should be taking it while I'm talking. With fire roasted tomatillo sauce, pickled red onions, queso fresco, roasted corn salsa, and avocado cream. Interesting, there's a salsa verde, there's roasted corn salsa on the porchetta and pig ear um, salad. Having two different sort of salsa components to it. It's so good. I don't know what makes it a salad, but it's delicious. (laughs) It tastes like nachos without the nachos. I was just going to say, I wish I had a chip to, like, add the crunch texture to it. Oh. It's sweet. It's really sweet. I love the... I love the pickled red onions. Mm -hmm. We'd love it with chips. Yeah. With chips, I'd love it. It's not a bad flavor. There's... I would expect a little more heat. Um, Well, that's why we saved what I think is going to be the best for last. Mm -hmm. Because the crispy barbecued pork rinds with pimento cheese... Again, I did sort of pregame a little bit before coming here today. This comes in, I believe it's 450 or so. A nice little bag of pork rinds and a big thing. I like a, a really big thing of pimento cheese. Dig in while I talk about this. I, I will tell you, I, I actually love snacking on pork rinds. Really? I know, I do. I've always I loved that. pork rinds and pork cracklings. I, I know, it's bizarre. And I'll tell you why. One, I like the flavor. And two, I'm able to justify that it's a somewhat healthy snack because it's high protein and, like, no carbs. So it makes me think that I'm eating healthy. And I'll say, too, I try to eat pork rinds because they're, like, a crunchy, low-carb option. And I usually don't like them. And these are really good. The pimento cheese is crazy good. I like the spicy kick to this. I'm glad that they had, you know, were braver to put a little bit more heat on this dish because... Sometimes with pimento cheese, you, people don't do that, but I really love it when there's a nice little kick, and it, it plays off really well with the, the pork rinds. Um, they had me at pimento cheese, but the, the pork rinds itself, I don't really care. I mean, it's good. The spice on it is good. I don't know what it is, but it's really good. But the, the pimento cheese dip is really, really incredible. Boathouse, mm-hmm. homecoming, mm-hmm. and now swanky sauce swine. This is I, a, like a like a more li- like a wetter version mm-hmm. of the one that you have at Boathouse. It's got something. It has like a relish in it, and then I, Ashley, you might know whatever is giving it that texture. Um, yeah, this is killer, and I think the pork rinds also give it a really cool texture because it's not just I, a thin chip. I love it. I said it when so we. Were, I love this one. This is a perfect Lumangelo snack. Yes. It's quote unquote healthy-ish pork rinds. I love the fact, like you said, that they're spicy with mm-hmm. real heat to it mm-hmm. like your kids might find this to be a little bit spicy for mm-hmm. them but that pimento cheese and everything that you said between the textures and the flavors and the savory and the spicy all together this i, I know it's the first place we've been but we said it last time this is like a clear best favorite value. best value best and one of my favorites festival. at the festival period yeah it's totally one of the best values at the festival like it's it's a lot of food like a couple of people could sit and enjoy this together and feel i don't know if they feel full but it's 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 a huge portion of food and also if you are on a low carb diet and you're you know walking around with your with your family and you're trying to find a good option like this is absolutely perfect the ribs as well would be a good option if you're okay with the peanuts um but if you're you know on a keto diet or something like that um this would be a great option I agree. I was going to say the same thing that it's. I think you could you could fill up really easily here, um, and so this is a this is a good meal for a couple for sure. I think this. I think a swanky saucy swine. Say it again. The swanky saucy swine is a must stop. Oh, we didn't get the Bloody Mary. Well, That's what we forgot. Be perfect with actually an ice cold beer. 
I think that'd be wonderful, especially on a hot day like today or if you have a date night. These are great portions, and then an ice-cold beer. There you go. Sealed beer it up. Man. The Bloody Mary is worth a shout, though. They have a Bloody Mary here. It's served in a mason, mason jar, and it's actually a whiskey, a bourbon Bloody Mary, um, with a piece of bacon in it. Oh, really? A piece of candied bacon. And it's like a very, big, yeah. very good. It's interesting because it's made with whiskey instead of um, vodka, but it's it, and it definitely has the vibe of this booth. It's like that bourbon and tomato with the bacon in it. I think Swanky Saucy is a must-stop, if nothing else, but for the pork rinds. Yeah. And the potatoes. And the potato. Can I have an order of pork rinds and potatoes, please? And bring your own chips for the, for the salad. Do we want a rock, paper, scissors for the potato? I'm going to let you I'm gonna let you have that because I'm going to have really? the last pork rind, yeah. Plus, we also have like 18 more booths to go in this top 10 list. These are actually good. The more that I just... The more you pick on the ribs, the more you like the ribs. Yeah, I like them a lot. So am I, being I can tell you. She literally moved the plate in front of her and is huddled around it like a prisoner at lunchtime. <laughs> I think part of approaching the food and wine, flower and garden, festival of the arts, festival of the holidays, is there really is strategy involved. Don't make the mistakes that we have made in the past. So we actually just made what I think was a very smart, strategic decision. We walked by Mexico, got on the line, because Mexico is famous for its chilaquiles and other menu items, and have decided to temporarily forego Mexico. We're gonna come we're gonna come back around and hit it on the back end as we head on over to the Odyssey. And I think there's something to be said. What? We just said we're gonna do it on the way out, didn't oh. we? <laughs> I just heard you. I'm sorry. Keep keep talking, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's also important when having a strategy that you apprise everyone in the group of exactly what that strategy is. <laughs> She had this look of disappointment on her face as we walked by the Odyssey, like pointing to it like a kid in Toys R Us. Like, what do you mean we can't go down the Star Wars aisle? We'll come if you eat everything else along the way. I think there'll be ro- there'll be room for chilaquiles and for the wings in the Odyssey. Our culinary journey takes us to China, where we figured we had to stop, but. We're very, um, again, strategic in our ordering. We skipped the pan-fried chicken dumplings and the crispy fried pepper shrimp with spicy noodles, which have been, I think they're always sort of fan favorites too. Again, there's the ease and accessibility of it. I've never met many dumplings that I don't like, but we did try the Ziran beef bun, which is grilled beef with cumin. You get an individual, very sort of doughy beef bun that is filled with what appears to be a lot of meat. It looks like some, is that bok choy maybe in there? Maybe. All right. Scallion. Scallion. Good. So, Lisa, you're going to opt to try it with a little bit of sriracha on the side, spice things up a little bit. I'm going to have it just the way the chef intended. Everybody else, dig in. But I never met a ballad in life, so. Okay, judging by facial expressions, it seems to be a little bit of a different taste of what a traditional bao bun i'm not i'm not a fan of this dish i do like king bao in orlando though that is some really good bao buns but this one i'm not a fan of the different spices that they put in here and then adding the big chunks of cilantro into it with the stems and everything i i with that flavor and the cumin i wasn't a i wasn't a fan i mean it's fine i love cumin but i don't know if it necessarily belongs on bao 
bow. I, I like it when they do bow at, in, at this booth when it has a little bit of a slaw and like a little bit of a sweetness to it. I love when they do those bows. Um, this one wasn't my favorite. It's fine, um, but it's not necessarily something I would come back for. It's not something I would stand in line for. No. I mean, I think that's what it comes. It's not bad. I didn't hate it the way some people did, but um, it's just fine. It's fine. That's it. What do you, you like? So I like it. I like. I was sort of happy when I actually put her half down. I'm like, sweet. I get to. Yes. I because I think I wasn't expecting the cumin taste. I was expecting just a regular sort of run of the mill bao bun with that savory, almost like the hoisin sauce, whatever they put on it. So I like the fact that it tasted a little bit different. I know some people don't dig cilantro. I like it. I like the flavor of cilantro. So I, I thought this was a little bit of a surprising taste. I think if I was coming back to China, this is where I'd have to sort of weigh, does the line, does the means justify the end? Does the line justify the bow? Um, or would I come back for some of the other things too? All right. So this is there's a little bit of division in the ranks, which is fine. That's the beauty of this is that it's a small investment of time and money, uh, but you tried something new. I think, it's, I think it's worth coming to try because it probably is unlike bao that you've had before. But if you know you don't like cumin, if you don't like cilantro, this is not one that, uh, that should be on your radar. Standing outside the American Adventure, you cannot miss the sounds of Voices of Liberty from the America Gardens Theater. They have moved from the rotunda to outside to have a number of shows throughout the day which is wonderful because now during the festival, you don't have to worry about waiting online for extended periods of time to see a show. But what that also does is it frees up the Rotunda for a brand new booth this year, the Rotunda Bistro, which is not only inside, but is air conditioned and has three different items, the chilled smoked shrimp salad, the wild mushroom and truffle tart, and the chilled crab and avocado parfait with caviar. I, I'm almost feeling like we need, because it's new, we need with all this nodding and agreement to do all three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all really good too. So I think sure. And if we order all three, we can stand in the air conditioner for a little bit longer. So. <laughs> Let's just take a moment and appreciate not just the air conditioning, but the acoustical perfection that is the center of the American Adventure Rotunda. Um, American Adventure, is it a must-do, one and done? What, what is your feeling about American Adventure as a whole? In the summer, it's a must-do. I think it's a wonderful story of our country and just all the different life events that go through, and it's air conditioning, so why not? <laughs> I love it. I mean, I don't have time to do it every single time I come here, but I love it so much. I love the songs. America, look at the music. Come on, man, it's so like, good. so like... It is so good. And I love this venue. Um, I just, I love this venue. Quick story. One of my favorite events that we ever did was we had an event here in this venue. The, the Adventures Club had closed the year before and there was no Adventures Club anymore. And those characters had moved on to greener pastures. I said, man, I would love to do something unique and different. And so we weren't allowed to call it the American Adventures Club, but I called it the American Adventures Club anyway. And coincidentally enough, the performers who were in the Adventures Club, they created an entirely new set of characters and stories and this cool, and we had dinner and this interactive show that was in here, and it was a one and done. They never did it ever again. And it was one of my favorite events ever. I think this was probably like 2012, 
somewhere you're around there. Me, you're looking at me like you invited me. No, I, don't, I didn't even know you back. I didn't even know there was a Jason Knapp out there. I am, however, happy that now there is a Rotunda Bistro where you can eat inside here. And we've decided to prioritize the order in terms of what we think will best affect our palate. So we're going to start off, and as I'm introducing, you guys start digging in to the chilled crab and avocado parfait with a nice little supply of caviar on top. This comes in what looks like if you ever had wine, a little cup of wine at, at a food and wine festival, some of the, the clear plastic cups is layered with avocado crab, avocado crab, and then some caviar on top. Dig in. Ashley, you know, you go shy, you go hungry here. And I think, I think this is one, that's, I think for a lot of people, this is probably going to be their introduction to caviar. Yeah, and I'm glad that they did it as gently as they did. It's a it's a nice dish, you know. It's it's very light, and it's a good thing to eat on a hot summer day. It's served up kind of like a parfait, so there's a layer of like mashed avocado, um, and then the fresh crab, and then the caviar really just adds a little bit of um, saltiness, I think, to it. It doesn't have any. I wouldn't, I wouldn't attribute any taste other than the salt to the caviar. The um, the, the first time I had this, I, I ate ate it in individual layers so I could taste each thing and, and it was really good that way too. So the crab stands on its own really nicely um, and the guacamole is, is kind of nice. There's a little bit of spice to it um, but the caviar is, I don't know, it's fine. Salty. It's salty. When you eat cake, like, do you eat like the icing first and then I the cake last. layer? No, so last. You, you break it's it down layer by layer? Icing. icing last. And I eat a Kit Kat like that too. I take the chocolate off a of Kit Kat and then eat it wafer by wafer. How what do you eat a kick? Skills. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> Same with also Reese's, Reese's cups. That's the right like way to too. do it. What? What? Reese's cups. Don't. Eat. Don't. Yeah. What? Reese's cups. You eat like that too. You, you no, like, you, you don't. Do a little what I call a knibble on the on the sides. And what was wrong with your people's childhood? Ashley, no, help combos. me out here. Combos also. Whoa! Wow. What? Yeah, combos. <laughs> Who has time for this? <laughs> I need to eat. I would be like, let's. Who just doesn't eat just grab like six combos and stuff them in your mouth? Whatever. So I will. Sorry. I will say I wish I wish there was a little something more to it. Like it needs a little lemon or a little. It's good. It's good. It's good crab and it's fresh avocado and the caviar. If you're afraid of caviar, this is the place to try it because it's really just salty. Um, I wish it had the, like a little something more. I think it's a nice savory parfait. If you're really into seafood, it's an affordable option to have something light, uh, very summery flavors. I love the caviar on top of that little saltiness, you know, to the, each of the crab. Because sometimes with that, with certain seafoods, when it's chilled, you can lose the flavor of it, too, as it kind of being bland. But I think that adds to it. So on a day where it's ridiculously hot yeah. and we've had a lot of hot food after, one after another, nice. this is a nice sort of, I hate to say the word, but it is. It's a refreshing sort of, like, feeling on your palate to sort of break up some of the heat. I like seafood and avocado, so this, for me, and I also like salty, too, so I, I really do. I like this one a lot. Move over to the uh, chilled smoked shrimp salad. Again, comes in what in a very similar, without a stem, like wine glass, and it looks like there's three or four, looks like there's a lot of, like, big pieces of shrimp in there. Um, sometimes you see shrimp salad, and there's a lot of, like, filler and not a lot of shrimp. What are you people well, arguing about? Getting, it's getting, it's just right? good. The shrimp's falling out of the cup. It's getting away. It's really scary. That's God telling you to just grab that shrimp and eat it. Dip it in the dill. Oh, wait. That's way too much dill. 
There's no oh, such thing as too much. <laughs> <laughs> Dill is a way superior herb. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. I'm taking a small bite. I like the shrimp. It's shrimp. It's shrimp. And the, the dill isn't very dilly. It's not... I'm what? sure that's a word. That's a culinary term, right? Yeah, yeah. Dilly. Dilly. It's not too dilly. Um, it's tasty, though. Here, you have a bite. Do you, oh, get, do you taste tarragon or something in there? Tarragon? Yeah. Spice? Maybe. Yeah. There's, it's, if you do not like smoky things, this is not for you. It's surprising because I think you see shrimp salad and you expect to eat what you're going to get in Publix, which is a, a relatively sort of pedestrian and bland shrimp with mayonnaise and some chopped up vegetables. I think this is all, it's, it's just way more complex. And if you don't like things like dill or tarragon, this might not be for you. But I think part of why you come to the Food and Wine Festival is to try things that you don't get elsewhere. I'm very pleasantly surprised, borderline shocked, how much shrimp like big pieces of shrimp there are because I was expecting either a couple little chunks or those itty bitty little baby shrimp but there's actually like there's probably more there's probably six or seven big pieces of shrimp in here yeah it's really a cup of shrimp you expect it to be like cut with a lot of slaw or or some some kind of filler but it's really just a cup of the shrimp and I like that they give you a dollop of like the dill sauce or mayo mixture because it's not mixed in so you can have as much or as little as you want I wish it was more ceviche style with more citrus forward than this. That was what I was hoping it would be. So it's good for what it is, but I would wish it was more citrusy. It's definitely like a cool, another, it's another sort of cool light. I do, I think, well, I'm going to go back and try it again. But there is a third. We saved this for last because the wild mushroom and truffle tart with Gruyere cheese and creme fraiche on top, and please dig in while while I'm introducing, is a... A square layered puff pastry with um, a generous supply of mushrooms and cheese on top. Uh, I've sampled this one before, which is part of the reason why I wanted to come back and have this one again. Uh, this is obviously going to be the most savory of the dishes, and this is the one that is warm out of the three that are served here. So we ate it last. So we ate it last. Now, I like the lightness and the, the like the the coldness of the shrimp and the crab um, dishes. Which is why I think that you need something that's not cold here. I think you need something that's a little bit heavier and has some substance to it. Right. And these, to me, are more like summer appetizers that you would serve Mm -hmm. at a garden party or some kind of, like, you know, earlier day brunch. And so that's a nice light dish with the flaky puff pastry. I love the mushrooms. The Gruyere is excellent. I I liked it a lot. I'm a savory person, and I love sort of the earthiness of the mushrooms and the richness of the cheese. This is my favorite out of the three. Me too. Really? Yeah, it's the one that I like the most. Yeah. I think it would be, I would do the mushroom and truffle tart, then probably the crab and avocado, and then the smoked shrimp salad. But I've actually enjoyed all three of them. Yeah, all three are good. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that any of the three would make my top five list but they're good and they, like they they suit a purpose like if you're if it's hot and you just need to like come in from the outside and stand in an air-conditioned room and like gather yourself up mm-hmm. with like a refreshing couple of items these are perfect mm-hmm. america is more than just a place for air conditioning people whether it be the american adventure or be the rotunda bistro um come for the show stay for the mushroom and truffle tart is my opinion and the taste that's in my mouth right now is really good 
right? See? Sometimes you like have to process that. It's really good. I'm a very strategic eater. Like I always plan out ahead. What's that last thing <laughs> that you want? Don't laugh at me. Like even at night, I'm like, all right, what's that last sort of flavor mm-hmm. that I want? And I always save that last bite. It could be. Okay. It could. The, the day is still young, and who knows how it's going to end. <laughs> it might end with pork rinds. There's, there is nothing wrong with spicy pork rinds. And you know what? <laughs> Ashley, remember when those two used to be on the show doing food reviews? Yeah. Yes. I'm not going to say they were the good old days, but they were days. I'm just going to keep eating the crab. I'm eating the crab since you guys aren't eating the crab. It's so good. If you've ever listened to the show before, my love and affinity for Japan should come as no surprise. I love the country, the pavilion, the sushi, the sake, the people, the food, everything about it, including consistently the marketplaces and kiosks at all of the festivals where there's always something new, oftentimes reflecting dishes that you'll have in Japan during different times of year. Lisa, you lived in Japan. The soba noodles around New Year, like when they have it at uh, the festival of the holidays, is always something that I look forward to every year. Mm-hmm. And this year, we once again ordered everything at the Japan Pavilion. The teriyaki chicken bun, the tempura shrimp sando, which is what you think it might be, which is basically a tempura shrimp sandwich and the spicy hako sushi. I think we should start with sushi uh, because it is so incredibly warm outside and then work our way down to the chicken bun, or work our way up to the chicken bun. The spicy hako sushi is spicy tuna and salmon served box style with red tempura crunch and volcano sauce. When they say box style, if you're used to eating traditional sushi or sashimi or a sushi, it, this isn't in a roll. It's actually two small rectangular boxes of sushi rice with a layer of the salmon and the tuna drizzled with the um, the volcano sauce. It's sort of a, a yellowy, orangey, spicy sauce on top. Jason, I'm going to pray that you don't eat this one in layers and do it exactly as you are supposed to. I am a huge, huge spicy tuna fan. Please, uh, as they say in Japan, dig in, because if you go shy, you go hungry. I heard the yummy sound already, like from the very so first good. bite. I love it. Mm. So spicy and mmm. 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 It's so good. It's really good. Interestingly, so the fish is ground. And the first time that we ate this, I didn't know that there was also salmon in it. Oh, it's So amazing. it definitely adds mm. something to it. It's really good. Sometimes with the Japan booze, they try too hard to be like different and you end up with something that doesn't quite taste like sushi anymore. This is just, it's, this is perfect. It's, it's good. It's, different enough but it just tastes like sushi it just tastes like really good sushi and that's it it tastes like high quality sushi mm-hmm. and i love the fact that they weren't afraid to make it a little spicy with the volcano but, sauce yeah. mm-hmm. but but it's it's a good spice because it doesn't linger too long you get mm-hmm. that heat on the front and then it just sort of subsides it just it's it's yeah. a nice spice mm-hmm. i like how they did it in a different shape too how you explain that i think that's really neat and it's also like a cool cultural thing too to try something that's you know unique to that pavilion itself too well, because sometimes if you get a roll, if if there's too much rice, I think it overpowers, <clears throat> excuse me, it overpowers the flavor of the fish, which is really supposed to be like, you know, what is, is, is predominant. And that's what you feel here. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's just enough of the rice to give it that uh, texture and flavor 
I would come, I would order, you know, three of these and have that as, as part of a, a regular sushi meal. It's cool too with the texture. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, I love it. What are those little, what's, what's the crunch? The tempura flakes. Little tempura, tempura flakes, flakes are delicious. Yeah. yeah. And it looks like candy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does. It, it delivers on every level. Um, as I describe it, please move on to the tempura shrimp sando, which is crunchy shrimp served with yuzu crab, mm. green onions, and eel sauce served over a bun. So I'm sure everybody has had temp- tempura shrimp before. But what this does is it does add the yuzu crab and the onions. I love eel sauce. There's a sweetness and savory that comes with it, too. That's really neat. I thought, see, underneath it, I didn't realize it was going to be a nice little surprise under there with the crab. So the temp- all you really see is the tempura shrimp on top. You don't see that it's layered on top of that yuzu crab. And we've talked about yuzu crab before on other shows. Yuzu is a, it's a citrus, so it does add a little bit of a citrusy tang to it as well. Okay, so thoughts on the tempura shrimp sando? I liked it. Um, I like the fact that it's like, you know, it's a little citrusy with the, the crab underneath. And the textures are cool. So you got something like softer with the bun as well with the crab. And then on top with the crispy tempura and then the sauce on top gave it a nice little salty kick. It hits, it hits all the flavors because you have it's sweet and salty and you have the umami and the citrus and the, it's it's really tasty. And the and the tempura shrimp was, it was just really well done. It wasn't, it was crispy and I don't know. It was surprisingly good. Right, you see tempura on like what looks like a hot dog roll. You're like, what? <laughs> it's some just threw tempura on to make this accessible for a kid, but that's not it at all. Well, the vibe is definitely like a New England lobster roll because it's that kind of mm. bun. If you know that bun that looks like a slice of bread that's like a thick slice of bread that's been doubled over on itself and toasted, it's that kind of a bun. Um, I liked it more this time than the first time that I had it. I think I'm tasting the yuzu and the teriyaki a little bit more. I will say, I know they were probably thinking that the tempura would be the crunch, and so they put, like, the soft salad underneath, but it's not quite. I I still kind of wish it was, like, some sort of a slaw. I would think I would like it more. more A little more crunch, I think it would be perfect. And I think that's what's throwing me off is that that seafood salad underneath is just a little soft. But it tastes good. It tastes really good. I, to your point, I didn't recognize that there was that, that big layer of seafood salad underneath the first time I had it. Yeah. Here, especially I think maybe because we cut it up and because I tasted yeah. it mm-hmm. and felt the texture, I did like it. Like I got a lot of things sort of happening all at once, which I didn't expect based on it. So what might have been a five and a half or a six the first time I had it is yeah. probably, you know, in the high eights, low nines now. Um, so that, that's a great one-two punch. And then we're going to finish off with the teriyaki chicken bun it's a steam bun filled with chicken, vegetables, and teriyaki sauce. They have it every year. I mean, it's super accessible. To me, I always say it tastes like a Japanese like sloppy joe. It's kind of in that. It's wrapped in a bun. It's, it's very accessible for kids. It's tasty. It's like an easy thing to walk around with if you want something to walk with. It's usually not my favorite thing just because I feel like it's like a little dumbed down, but it's good. You say, Terry, you say Japanese like man witch sloppy joe like it's a bad thing. Those are two <laughs> of like the things that I love the most. It's sweet. It's almost dessert-like. And in, in its texture and in its flavors. Um, so I like, I actually like because it it's not overly sweet, but um, it's better than the bao in China. So we're going to do bao. I follow up on the same sentiment. I feel the same way. It's sweet. It's a solid. I, I wouldn't order it again for me personally because it's a lot of meat in there and it's kind of heavy with it being so hot out. But if you're into that, I think it'd be fine. Yeah, I think there's something really for everybody in Japan, whether you get all of them or sort of pick and choose. I think Japan, the pavilion itself, is an absolute, like, it's a top five, top three, and I know there's still a lot to do, but 
but I love the sushi. And I really, this time, I really, really liked the uh, the tempura shrimp sando. I think. I liked it a lot more. Yeah, I liked it's. It a lot more. And we keep using the word accessible. I think that's part of what food and wine is about: is is being able to and willing to try things that you might not try otherwise. And I think Japan is is very very accessible. We also wanted to try the Ozeki Platinum Sake, which is a Junmai Daijingo dry with a fruity flavor sake. Did anybody taste already? Well, I tasted it sort of by necessity because I was walking with it. The ser- the presentation is beautiful. It's served in, I mean, I wouldn't want to throw it away. I'm sure it's disposable, but it's like... No, a- it's not. It's coming home with me, yeah, coming home on my like, shelf. It's a matte black, like tiny round cup with a, like it looks like it's painted with gold leaf on the inside. It's so pretty and it's served like so full that it looks like an eternity pool, which is why I had to sip it down. Yeah, we'll share photos of this and everything else here. I, I am not a big drinker, just in general, but I do like sake sometimes when I have Japanese food. Uh, I usually like a nigori. It's a, it's a cloudy, it's an unfiltered, almost a little bit sweeter than on the dry side. But this is actually really nice, and I think pairs really, really well with all the flavors that they have here. I think it cuts the richness of a lot of what the food dishes are because it's just a very simple, clean sake. It's good. It's very smooth. There's not a lot of that bite. Sometimes you get with certain alcohols that you would feel would be harsher. It goes down really nicely, and I think I agree with Lisa that it complements the dishes that are here right now. And if you've never tried it before, this is the perfect. It's a very small, uh, just a few ounces of it. You can have it yourself, for it, like we're doing, easily shareable. And you, once you finish, you can just pour water in it and pretend like you continue to drink around the world <laughs> without all the problems. Because it's so it's such a cool little cup. It's really, really it's pretty. pretty. And I keep using the word, we keep using the word accessible. I feel like if you've never tried sake before and you just want to try one, yeah. plus you get the really pretty cup. So it's a nice, smooth, simple sake. And sake is like, you know, a level of alcohol that's like in a wine or something. It's not like you're drinking vodka. Although in Japan, and you lived in Japan, so correct me if I'm wrong, you actually, it's rude to walk around eating and drinking. Like you're not yeah. supposed to just like walk around eating and drinking. So um, you can do it, but if you want to be, you know. So you should finish that. We collectively. Why are you looking at me? It's a, this is we're passing the cup around like it's a you know Communion. college like it's a college party. But yeah, this is this is super super nice. There's there's a reason why I always love Japan. It consistently delivers. We have now made our way down the promenade from Japan to Greece, where there are three items this year. Once again, the spanakopita, the lamb moussaka or moussaka, however you pronounce it, and this year something new, I believe, is the griddled cheese with pistachio and honey, because what else do you want on a hot, humid day than some hot cheese? However, on its own, the idea of griddled cheese sounds so good. And this is, I I have never seen or tasted anything like this before. None of us have tried this before. So ladies, I encourage you, I invite you to please dig in first. It fills the, the entire square on the bottom of the dish. And it almost looks like it has it's a thin layer, maybe a half-inch layer of cheese with a griddle, um, almost sort of a, a you can sort of that, almost like a slightly burnt, like layer on top with bits of pistachio and honey drizzle. It's delicious. I love it. I love like a brie with a sweet preserve on top, and that this is that kind of a vibe. I don't know if it's a, it has the consistency almost of a firm brie. 
But I, I, it tastes like another cheese to me. Ashley, you probably could name it better than me. I'm trying to figure it out because it's such a nutty flavor. Yeah. And that's not even... But the cheese, too. Yeah, it's both. It's like usually Parmesan has that nuttiness to it. So I don't know. No. So I'm not sure, like... But I like it. It's very it's nice. Yeah, there's a very, there's a very zestiness mm-hmm. to the cheese. I, I think on the way out, I'm going to go and, and ask them exactly what it is. I would never think to put these flavors together. And I love a good charcuterie board where sometimes you mix and match nuts and cheeses and honey. I would never imagine it griddled this way. And even with this excruciating heat outside, this is actually really nice. It's delicious. I would think on a cool night, it would be crazy good. Or like as we get into the fall, it's it's not overly sweet. I thought the honey would make it a lot sweeter. It doesn't. But if you think like, Baklava is like that pistachio and honey kind of flavor. And if you've ever had a baked spree that had like fig or something with it, it's kind of that, those two dishes, it's kind of that kind of a vibe. I can see this pairing nicely with the beverage beverage pairings, which is a white wine Mm -hmm. or a rosé. And there's even a a dry red too. I think you're right. A nice cold white wine with this, I think would be awesome. I think you're right. Like this is, it's a nighttime food. Like this is a late night sort of wandering the promenade glass of wine type of food and if you if you want like a dessert type dish that's not that's that's not really sweet or that sweet at all this is like a perfect kind of if you if you go for the cheese board when the dessert menu comes out this would be right up your alley absolutely i like the saltiness of the dish and the savoriness of it and it just the way the top is just so crisped up and then the pistachios sprinkled about i just think it just it goes so nicely flavor wise yeah i think i think it's a must try because it's different because it's probably unlike anything that, that you've had before. I also really like it a lot. Like, it's definitely a very different dish, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. And like you said, I mean, like 95 degrees, maybe it's not the first thing that would come to mind, but I'm glad we stopped for it. Yeah. Well, we've stopped, but we need to keep moving forward because there's about 32 more pavilions that we need to hit before our quote-unquote 10-ish things you need to try comes to a close. I think we can do it. I feel, I feel strong. Pull out the spare stomach compartment. and Not everybody can make the journey. Like it's This is like the trek up Everest. Jason has dropped off. We've lost Jason uh, somewhere along the way. He tapped out, uh, was unable to uh, continue to, uh, he just can't operate on, on this level with this much food. So, You know, not everybody's up to the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you both high-fived each other. I heard something like, yay, more for us. Something to that effect once Jason... Uh, uh, dropped off. So, all right, we will, we will keep moving forward uh, around as we head towards. Ashley, I know you're excited to get to France. Oh, cannot wait to get to France. There's just so much joy in France. Just one stop before we go. Oh, that's right. That's right. One new unique addition this year that very much deserves mention is Tangerine Cafe Flavors of the Medina. Now, the Tangerine Cafe quick service restaurant has been closed for some period of time. However, it is actually open during food and wine, and they do have a number of dishes that are unique to the festival. They have three different grilled kebabs. They have a lemon garlic chicken, Moroccan spiced lamb, and harissa marinated beef tenderloin tips. Those are all $5.75. A fried falafel pita, pita at five and a quarter, stone-baked Moroccan bread with hummus, zalouk and zug dips, and pistachio cake with cinnamon pastry cream, and candied walnuts. One thing that's nice is it's actually served not from a promenade marketplace booth, but inside Tangerine Cafe, 
And right now, while Restaurant Marrakesh is closed, you can actually eat at tables outside here on the promenade, in some of the tables in the back, or actually in the air conditioning at Restaurant Marrakesh. Uh, we're going to bypass this one for today's purposes, just because we have a lot still to get to, but you've tasted these before and are a big fan. Yeah, like we're skipping it today only because we have limited stomach real estate and we still have a long ways to go. But like, do not miss this. I love being able to go back in Tangerine Cafe because I've missed it so much. It's like top three food service probably at Walt Disney World for me. And um, yeah, the kebabs are really, really good. The pita is bang for your buck. It's really huge. And I think it's like five fifty. Um, the Moroccan bread is a small bread service with a few like side things that are really, really good. And the pistachio cake is beautiful and really good. So you can't go wrong with I did try the bread service uh, during a preview a, a few weeks ago, which I really liked. If you if you can't get to Sanaa, this is a great alternative right here on the promenade, too. Uh, but like you said, we have a lot to get to. Ashley's already moved on. She's already in France waiting there for us. She didn't even want to wait in Morocco. But I agree. If we had more time, if I was... And I wonder if after the festival is open, if these items may remain... Because I agree, Morocco uh, Tantri Cafe was one of my top two or three quick service locations anywhere in Walt Disney World. And for the bread service, like if you look inside there, literally there's a fire like oven, stone oven that we can see from the outside. And they literally will cook the bread in that oven while you're watching. So it's And fresh. we're very creepily watching this girl eat her falafel <laughs> going, wow, that looks really, really good. Um, but knowing... Um, that we are somewhat human and there's only so much to do and France is right around the corner. The music in the background should let you know that we are wandering a Parisian street and about to take part in Ashley, this was your choice and you probably pronounce it better than I do. (laughs) Beignet à trois fromages. Right, it's a warm beignet filled with not one, not two, but three different trois types of cheeses. And as you were cutting it up to, to to make it shareable, what did you say? What did you sort of analogize this to? It's like, well, we don't have Brazilian cheese bread yet because of the um, that booth isn't opening until later. So I said that this would be a fine stand-in for Brazilian cheese bread. But it's like molten cheese inside. Like, it's a lot gooier than I expected it to be. It almost looks on the outside like a sweet donut, right? With like a frosting inside. But as you start to pull it apart, you get that beautiful TV commercial like, you know, separation and and ooziness of the cheeses. So they don't tell us what the three cheeses are. It almost looks like an Asiago bagel. Like, you know, and it has like, because it has that crust of cheese on the top. Um, But yeah, it looks... I, mean, I have a feeling it's going to be like a, one of those foods that's better at night or in the fall. But. I was going to say, we just we just came from the griddle cheese yeah. in Greece and we're moving over to the trois fromage in France. So ladies, I invite you to please dig in and let me know your thoughts. This is divine. It is completely rich, fluffy, little pillows of cheese interwoven with these oh god it's like a donut cheese loveliness I, I it's really heavy and very dense in the sense that it's hot as ever outside and we're eating this hot cheese but oh my gosh this is just divine i really love all the flavor of the cheeses in here how light it is mm. ridges of the cheese light of the beignet part mmm you know what it reminds me of, but I don't like it as much, is the truffle croissant that France did for, what was it, 
Was that, I mean, that was amazing. That was one of my favorite Festival things ever. <laughs> so here's the issue. So here's the issue. Yeah. We're eating this at the wrong time. Right. Yeah. We're eating this after coming through 15 pavilions before. This is why these are so difficult to do, because I believe that the ones that, if you, de if you decide to attack your day at Food & Wine the way we are, trying to do as many all in one day, the ones that come later suffer the effect of having eaten so much beforehand, having been so full. I love the flavor of this, but I can't get past one bite because I'm just so full. Um, it's hot and I'm very, very full. If this would have been the first thing I ate, I'd be all over it because it makes me think of how much I loved the truffle croissant when we first came, which, again, I think it's the timing of, of when we're eating this. Like, I want to come back and eat this again and have it be the first thing I try as opposed to being something I eat late in the day. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is delicious. And on an empty stomach in a cool night, it would be that much more delicious. It's not my favorite thing, but it's... It, you're right. It's, it's also a big also portion, too. This this is a very shareable portion. Oh, yeah. I love it. I know that it's we have the elements against us for the timing, but I think it's lovely, and I really like the fact that it is rich and that there's so much cheese, and I agree with the fact that if we started out with this, it would be more deserved, yeah. you know, than it is now. Yeah, I, I do, too. I really like it, knowing that I, that I am suffering from just... <laughs> food exhaustion at this point and we still have more to go to I started deciding to pace myself a little bit late in the race I came out of the gate really hard hitting it all I, I mentioned this to you while we were standing in line uh, for future reviews these might be top five maybe you need to break these down in top fives that you need to try because 10 is uh, 10 is a lot to do um, which is why Food and Wine and some of the other festivals do almost require repeat visits. I kind of like the fact that they're opening some kiosks later on because it does give you an invitation, a reason to come back again. That being said, being as full as I am, I too really like this and, and wish I was hungrier than I am right now. So, um, but that being said, we need, to, um, we need to keep on keeping on because just over the bridge, there's... There's more, and there's Canada, and I had all intentions of ordering every single noodle dish at the noodle place before we get to the wings. So, and flavors from fire. I <laughs> Note to self: make these two parters. Do these in two days, not one. That's we the way that. to do it. We've done that before, yeah. and it's it's worked out well. Yeah, you would think after 17 years of doing this, I'd start to learn my lesson. And just when I thought today and the festival couldn't get any better, I am reminded that it does take people to make the dream a reality because as we are walking down the promenade past Canada, we run into old, man, I've known you a long time, Chef Brandon, who is uh, overseeing a lot of what's happening here at the festival. Chef, it is good to see you again. Good to see you too, Lou. How's everything? Good. You may remember Chef Brandon from the Boathouse oh so many years ago, many, many years ago. But you actually, you got your start here in World and went to Boathouse yep. and came back? Yeah, so I, I started with Walt Disney World. I've been on and off with the company for over 20 years. Um, left the company to open Boathouse back in 2015. Um, and yeah, decided to come back a few years back and been doing this ever since. It's where I belong. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. And and we have been wandering the festival uh, today. This is our second time here, uh, sharing ten ish of our favorite dishes. Um, the, the the second half, the second. This last leg is a little tough after eating all day long. But what about you? Share some of your festival favorites or ones that you just think guests and we need to try. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, we're standing right out in front of Canada. So you can't go wrong with Canada because it's kind of the classic. It's been here at the festival for years with the filet, the mushrooms, and the white truffle beurre blanc. Um, and that cheddar cheese soup. You can't go wrong with either one of those. Uh, the lamb chop from Australia is absolutely fantastic. Definitely one of my favorites. Um, one of the newer kiosks this year, the Noodle Exchange. Um, every one of those uh, noodle bowls is great. So the traditional pho um, is either beef or tofu. Um, and then the pork char siu is definitely one of my favorites in there as well. Um, and then between that, um, Flavors of Fire, again, another classic kiosk been around. Um, a really great one. My opinion, best dessert in the entire festival is the uh, bacon whoopie pie from over there. Um, That's raising eyebrows here. Yeah. All of a sudden, like, wait a minute. Now we might have to add yeah. that to the list. Exactly. Um, and then a couple other new ones, the uh, Brew Wing, um, which is out of the Odyssey building. Um, so, I mean, there's a chicken wing shortage everywhere else in the country, but Walt Disney World has something like 85,000 pounds of chicken wings that we've occurred um, strictly for the Food and Wine Festival. So if you can't get chicken wings, don't blame us. Um, and then um, lastly, I get one. Again, a kind of a classic one, but it's really unique because the the donut box, we're making all of the donuts there 100% from scratch. Um, so they're fried in the kiosks, fresh and everything. And then uniquely, we do have a sriracha glazed donut that we're doing a chicken sandwich out of, um, which in my opinion, again, is it's one of the larger portions of the entire festival. So, Yeah, we've been pleasantly surprised, even with so many kiosks not open yet right they're going to open on later this year which yep. is a reason to come and and i think to come back there's been so many great new dishes to try i mean we're locals i come every year multiple times um i love being introduced to and we found not only were there some unique dishes but we also found some that we were really happy to see sort of pushed the flavor envelope whether it was in terms of uniqueness of of combining ingredients and textures or even sort of pushing in terms of this a little bit spicier than you might have seen it at prior festivals. Absolutely, and you'll you'll notice that in the brew wing. Um, so we have everything from classic buffalo down to a habanero mango, which is definitely on the spicier end. Um, really great, not overpowering, but definitely on that spicier end. And then to some of the more unique stuff, one of the newer kiosks, the uh, the swanky saucy swine. Um, so it's a mouthful, um, really great all pork products in there. Um, so they've got the porchetta, which is awesome. The pork rinds with the memento cheese, but something really unique that somebody normally probably wouldn't try. We have a crispy piggy or salad, um, in there, which is really great. And something that if you weren't at the festival, you wouldn't probably try anywhere else. We've done it. So we actually, we didn't do that. We ordered everything at the yeah. pork. I think we think that the the very spicy pork rinds with the pimento cheese is one of the outstanding stars oh, yeah. and best value in the entire festival. Yeah, I agree. I've been telling everybody that too because it's somewhere around the $5 mark, something like that. And it's definitely the best overall value out of anywhere because it's it's tasty and it's you know familiar but different at the same time. So, And it comes in, like you said, around $5. It's a nice big 
Ashley, I'm going to call it. She was literally eating the pimento cheese with a spoon. And we also want to know what the secret is to that to make that pimento cheese so, so good. So, I mean, we literally want yeah, to know the secret. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to necessarily <laughs> tell you that. Um, really, the, the difference with ours that we did a little bit different, we definitely made it a little bit more creamier than your traditional pimento cheese. And that's so you can actually dip in those pork rinds and they're not snapping in half and everything like that. Um, so it is a little bit different, a little bit more of a spread and a dip than you would traditionally have with a normal pimento dip. Yeah, one of my... One of my favorites um, here at the festival, just hands down. Any questions for Chef? Oh, I mean, I'll just chime in and say, I think when the first time we came here, we saw there were 10 booths that were going to be opening until later. And it was like, why are they doing that? And now you kind of see there's so much to try. And like, and I find myself trying new things because I'm not going back to like the Brazilian cheese bread or something. Right. So, and again, with that, I'm not saying... But it will be sooner than expected uh, when the rest of these will all open up. So it definitely will be sooner than everybody thinks. So just keep your eyes open on, you know, the Disney sites and the posts and everything. And I'm sure Lou will be one of the first ones to know. Um, And yeah, but lots more coming extremely soon. So what's your favorite restaurant to eat at at Disney World? That's really the most loaded question you can probably ask. I'm totally um, kidding. You don't have yeah. to answer that. No, I mean, it's it's a hard one. I mean, I find myself, and again, they're not currently open, um, you know, soon, hopefully. Um, but I find myself, you know, for special occasions, I would always tend to go to Flying Fish. Um, I'm extremely partial to Le Cellier. Um, I worked there for many years myself. Um, so that's always a classic one. Um, And then one that I hadn't eaten, again, I've been in the area on and off with the company for 20 years. And just last year, um, two years ago or so, I ate at Yachtsman Steakhouse for the first time. Um, And it was probably one of the best meals I've had in an extremely long time. Um, So that's that's one of those. And that opening very, very shortly soon as well. Um, I know they're coming back very, very soon on that. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see restaurants opening back up. As as we walked by Takumi Tei, we had a little moment of silence waiting for what? Those of us who have been there think is is top three restaurants in Walt Disney World, hands down. But coming back to the festival, um, really, really like the variety of some of the different flavors and opportunities to try something that might be a little bit outside your comfort zone, which is one of the things I dig about the festivals as a whole. Absolutely. And that's why I enjoy working it. Um, So I'm extremely happy to be part of that team because... Again, it's something different all the time. So, yeah, we'll be doing food and wine. Hard to believe from now through November 20th, um, which is the longest the food and wine festival will ever be happening. Um, But then after that, within seven to ten days, we'll be starting Festival of the Holidays. And then after that, seven to ten days, we'll be doing Festival of the Arts. And then before you know it, we'll be right back into Flower and Garden. Um, so there's always a festival going on here now at Epcot, where in the past there was 120-some-odd days out of the year where the festivals were dark. Now there is 26 days out of the year where festivals do not happen in Epcot. Um, so it's literally a year-round process. Yeah, which, again, there's, gives you, always gives you a reason and another reason to, to come back. So uh, we still have a couple more places we need to hit. It also sounds like we're probably getting a whoopie pie to, uh, to end out the day. But, Chef Brandon, always good to see you, man. Thank you for everything that you and your team do to uh, to make the festival so spectacular every year. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Lou. When this year's International Food and Wine Festival was first introduced, there were three words that immediately jumped out at me, and they were and remain the noodle exchange. As someone whose body was built on carbohydrates and loves a good noodle, I was so happy to see 
not one, not two, not three, but four different types of noodle dishes, as well as two paired uh, pale ale and a Riesling. But here at the Noodle Exchange, which is just across from the Starbucks and the Australia booth, there is a traditional spicy Vietnamese beef pho with shaved beef, enoki mushrooms, and Thai basil, a char siu pork udon with enoki mushrooms, bok choy, and soy pickled egg, a shrimp and coconut curry rice noodle with shiitake mushrooms and Thai basil, and there's also a vegetarian gluten-free tofu pho with enoki mushrooms and Thai basil as well. Walking up to the booth, we were questioning where we were in terms of our levels of fullness, so decided to get all three. (laughs) (laughs) Because it wouldn't be fair to choose just one. Um, I have tasted the shrimp and coconut curry noodles before. Lisa, you've been here before too. Ashley, I know this is your first time. But they're all beautiful. There's great portions. They smell fantastic. Um, And as you have been demonstrating for the past 10 minutes, they're all uh, very photogenic as well. (laughs) Which of these was the one that sort of jumped out at you most, or is it just an all of the above situation? So when I, I was the same as you, when I heard this booth was going to be a thing, I was crazy excited. And I think the pho was the first thing that jumped out just because the thought, I love that kind of food and the thought of being able to get it, being able to get it here was super exciting. Um, So I was most excited for the pho and I do love it. That being said, the udon is fantastic. And I think that every time I taste things, it's a little different, but the shrimp and coconut curry soup with the rice noodles is um, probably my favorite. We'll see what happens today. Yes, I was excited, too, to try the shrimp and coconut curry rice noodles. And that's someone out of all the menu items that stood out to me that I would have ordered if I was going to just grab one of them. So that one stand out the most. I'm really excited to try these. Well, and I like the fact when I saw Noodle Exchange, I didn't know if it was going to be, you know, is it Chinese noodles? I like the fact that you have the Vietnamese pho, you've got the Japanese udon, you've got sort of that, that you know, um, Indian, like, curry rice noodles. So there's a, there's a very different flavor profile that you're going to have for each one. I'm going to let you decide, ladies' choice, as to where we go and where do we so visit on our culinary noodle tour around the world. So I feel like we should finish with the shrimp because that's not just because it was my favorite before, but because it's like the heaviest or the richest, I think, of the three. And I could go either way. So let's just go as, as they are listed in the, in the guidebook. Let's go the traditional spicy Vietnamese pho. It has the shaved beef, enoki mushrooms, and Thai basil, and you can already see the the pepper that is floating along there with it. Uh, really nice portion, a lot of lot of beef in in the in the bowl as well. So, ladies, please dig in. I really enjoyed it. I liked how if you get like a bite of the noodles and the beef and the mushroom all together, and then you get that nice sweet kick of like spice at you. And I just like the way the flavor of the broth, too. It just works really nicely together. It's delicious. It's very, very light. Like, if you're going to have to eat soup on a day like today, this is the way to do it. Um, and yet, the the peppers do pack a punch. You could probably just avoid them if you wanted to avoid the heat. Um, and like we said before, there's a really nice serving of the beef. And it's very tender. Like, it's cooked. I assume it's just boiled or cooked in the soup. You know, sometimes when you see a dish like this, you see the pepper, you think that is the hot spot, right? That's where the, the heat is going to be. But I like the fact that the broth itself, you can taste the spice. I have this little wonderful tingle on my tongue still, 
you know, a minute or so after tasting it, I like the fact that a little bit of the spice, and you can actually see, I mean, you can physically see it in there. I like the fact that you can taste some of the spices, but it isn't overwhelming. The beef is very tender. It's thinly sliced. Um, it falls apart inside your mouth. Uh, very buttery in the broth. And again, a spicy dish uh, of that soup on a hot day you would think would be difficult, but I really, really like that one a lot. Um, I just tasted just a little bit of the broth out of curiosity because when you pull the noodles out, you're not getting a lot of broth. And the broth has a lot of flavor. And like you said, it has, it has, I, I certainly wouldn't avoid it because you don't like, you know, a lot of heat. It's not that strong. It just kind of sits there and makes it a little bit more interesting. It's really good. What's nice about this booth is that if you don't like heat, that's okay because the char siu pork udon with anoki mushrooms, bok choy, and soy pickled egg, I imagine, is not going to be as spicy. This one, too, as you're, as you're making a mess, separating things I'm apart. To break the egg up. This is, it's chock full of meat and vegetables and noodles. You, you know, you see sometimes bowls like this and it's a lot of broth. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of food in this one, too. Like, it's a, when I say it's a heavy bowl, I mean, the weight of the bowl itself is very, very heavy. So, it really is. go ahead, dig in. Okay. I'm going to jump right in. I love that. There's um, the noodles. So first, there's a distinction between the the noodles themselves. From the the, the pho noodles is a much thinner, flatter noodle. Udon is fatter and it's thicker. But even the broth is richer. It has an incredible umami flavor to it. And I love the fact that when you put your chopsticks in there, you get a lot with the mushrooms. And the the, the, bok choy. the 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 pork and the bok choy. Wow, that's really really good. I like that one a lot. Yeah, so this was why it was so hard when we were choosing what to get because I couldn't imagine not getting the pho because it's such a like it's the one I was most excited about seeing here. But the udon, like the broth, is is really loaded with flavor, and then it has it like you said, it has it has the it, it says pickled hard boiled egg. It's a slightly different flavor than a regular hard boiled egg, but it's not that strange at all it basically just tastes like a hard-boiled egg and then the bok choy like you said and the mushrooms and the udon is like a traditionally it's a buckwheat mint noodle and it has a lot more sort of um texture and um it holds a lot more substance than a rice noodle well you can see even just the color of the egg mm -hmm. is darker because it absorbs that Definitely. that soy which would, yeah it's such a great flavor to it the mushrooms too are so good Definitely not a first date food, by the way. No. It is not that it is not the demo's dainty, delicate food to eat in front of a first You're date, but it doesn't matter. Major chopstick skills for this. I do like this one better than the first one. Yeah, I agree. I, I I love the thickness of the mushrooms, the bok choy, the soy egg. It just even the broth and everything with it. Like I'm not a big pork eater per se, but I feel like um, it enriched this broth more than the beef did. I'm sort of hoping that you guys forget about this because I want to go back and finish it. You know, and it's, I, I like the fact that they have all of these different options because pho is one of those dishes that you might not even be able to find in your hometown. Like it just might not be something that is accessible to you in terms of just of its availability. So I love the fact that it's here. If you are local to Orlando, if you go down to East Colonial in Orlando, there is tons of traditional Vietnamese places, and every one of them is excellent. 
but it's scary, I think, for a lot of people to go, you know what, let's just go try Vietnamese places. And- Correct. <laughs> you, if you're ready to go on to a different path and, and culturally try something different and try out something that you normally would have never had before, I think it's a great adventure to, to if you wanted to heighten your culinary aspects. But it's nice to know because, again, I keep saying how the, these festivals are, I think, great introductions to flavors and cultures and foods you might not try before. But you might go, wow, I I never thought to try Vietnamese food. I dug the pho. Let's go give it a shot on a Friday night and try one of those other restaurants. Because at least now you've got your singular entry point. Last, certainly not least, and now I'm curious as to how this is going to compare. You're literally doing, you're dancing over there, actually, for the shrimp and coconut curry rice noodles, shiitake mushrooms, and Thai basil. There are three large glorious shrimp floating on top. Please don't wait for me. Just go ahead and dig in. So this one hits so differently from the second you put it in your mouth. Now my lips are tingling in a wonderfully happy sort of like Christmas morning kind of way because the spiciness of here with the curry Mm -hmm. is very different than you got with the pho. It's amazing how there are three, you know, there's like three kids. They all sort of look alike, but they're all so very different. This one's way more complex, I think. I taste like lemongrass in there. And uh, I like how the curry, it kind of like kisses into the shrimp and the mushroom. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just such a good spice palette. And it, it's it's a thicker broth. And you just want to keep slurping it because it just, it's just so flavorful. And it adds to the noodles. I mean, you don't even need them. I mean, I think the broth alone is just great with the shrimp. Yeah, I could drink that broth just by itself. It's delicious. The udon is delicious. This is also delicious. They're Like you said, they're very, very different. Um, and it's interesting, like the buckwheat noodle, like we were saying, it tends to absorb the flavor of the soup a lot more than a rice noodle. So that's yeah. what the udon has going for it. But the broth for this, and the, obviously you get the coconut. Yes. Um, and like you said, definitely I think there's a lemongrass in there. Um, they're so good. They're all so different. Yeah, I mean, even just the, the texture of the noodles, again, this is a a thinner, lighter, flatter noodle than the udon and even even like the pho. But the way it's sort of, you can even just see, I mean, you can see the color of the noodles because the, the curry has sort of attached itself to it. Um, and the mushrooms, again. The mushrooms, really nice. again, are phenomenal. Like, they just absorb the flavor of whatever they're in so well, and they add this really good texture. For sure. Bring a friend so you can get two of one of each of something so you can share and really get the flavors from all of these. I or mean, don't bring a friend and just have two by yourself. It's great. fine. Don't. There's no. no judgment here. But yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, that, that curry coconut is so nice. It's this wonderful little like like dance that's going on mm-hmm. in there yes. of all these flavors and textures. You know, it's like a high school dance. <laughs> like some different flavors got together. The wallflowers eventually meet in the middle and this is what comes out of it. But it does. It it has that sort of like wow punch that it gives you, not in, and when I say offensive kind of way, I mean an overly spicy. Like oh my gosh, I can't eat this. It's too hot. And it's a different experience too. Like when because when you pick up the noodles with your chopsticks and eat the noodles, they're delicious, but you're not getting the full broth necessarily. With the udon, you kind of are. With this one, you're not so much. But because it's also a very different experience just to take a spoonful of the broth versus picking up the noodles with your chopsticks. So good. Aren't you happy I decided to get all three? Yeah, I'm so happy. <laughs> Thanks, Lou. Great idea. You're the best. You're the best. <laughs> 
as we were walking up, I'm like, I don't even know if I could do noodles. We'll take all three, please. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hiding a little bit, so it's a little more tolerable right now than us getting, like, sweltering. Yeah. We're in a good spot for a breeze, too. I think it's also worth mentioning, they have this um, Playa Linda Brewing Company, Yapon Brothers Green Tea Pale Ale. That's actually pretty local. It's from Titusville, Florida. Um, it's really good. I'm not a huge beer drinker, but I do enjoy like a cold beer on a very, very hot festival day. And especially against these three bowls of hot soup. It's really, really nice. We'll talk more about the beers while I keep eating noodles. We're going to have noodles. Wow, that's so, yeah. I don't know if I can do noodles. Nope. Hashtag noodles. I keep sort of coming back to, I mean, there's literally like a physical sensation that I feel in my mouth and on my lips, not like in a bad way, like, oh my God, milk, I need milk right now. Um, where do you where do you rank these in order? And I think we're, I'm going to assume pho is going to come in third, not, yes. and it's yes. not to take anything away because it's a delicious, no, it's, it's a, a delicious dish. Where do you put the udon and the shrimp and coconut curry? So I'm going to surprise even myself right now. I, I love... I love all three. The, the pho is definitely the third. I think because I'm used to having pho having a lot more in it. When I get pho, I like to like load it up with plum sauce and handfuls of sprouts and all that other stuff. So this is good, but um, it's my third. My first, for repeatability, honestly, I love the shrimp and don't miss it, but I think the udon. The udon is truly the, it, it holds up against every udon I've ever had in any restaurant. It's that good. So my number one is definitely going to be the shrimp, then the udon, and then uh, the pho last. But not not least, it's just right. just because of the ranking it has to be. I, it was still just as good. I just prefer the other flavor palettes on the other two. They're all Olympic athletes, yeah. but mm-hmm. somebody's got to bring home the bronze. Yeah. And they're all winners in my book. Oh, man. I have trouble. But... Right, I keep going back and forth and... I think I'm going to agree that the pork udon for what's in the broth, the richness of the broth, but it's still being light and it doesn't feel heavy. And the fact that it's not overly spicy, you don't have to worry about that at all. Like, I would love to just get one of those to go and take it home and then sit on my couch late at night, fire up the Disney Plus in my little couch or with my blankie and a little bowl of that. That would be a really nice night right there. Um, yeah, like I think if I'm recommending something to someone and I'm thinking, oh, like what's different and like an interesting taste that maybe they've never had before, I might encourage them to get the shrimp because it's absolutely delicious. But if I'm just being honest with myself about like what I want to curl up with on my couch on a rainy like Florida summer night, it's the udon. It's it's the udon all the way. Mm-hmm. I, I love a udon, good udon night at home. Yeah, I love a good udon. I keep putting the mic in front of your faces so you can keep talking, so I can keep eating more. Yeah, it's delicious. It's delicious. Um, You know, and again, one of those things that it's, these are all great introductions to these type of dishes. Mm -hmm. This is not your, you know, Manchuri ramen or a cup noodles that you get at the grocery store. It is completely different on on a very, very different level. And I'm really grateful to the, to the culinary team and the chefs for coming up with recipes that are so incredibly flavorful as opposed to being just a little boring, a little pedestrian, and a little safe. No no chicken bouillon cubes here. This is legit. <laughs> yeah, this is legit for sure. And there's 
First of all, they're very generous servings. Mm-hmm. Like, and the amount of meat that they give you in each one is very generous. And they're plastic, but I love the I, this fact that they give you like a traditionally shaped spoon that like that you would normally get like in an Asian restaurant. Um, it's that sort of long white. They're usually like a ceramic. They're plastic here, but it's still nice to have that to get the amount of broth that you can. Yeah, I, man, um, I almost. Halfway through, when I was borderline ready to pass out from eating so much food, the noodle th- the noodle exchange was the farthest thing from my mind. But I am so happy that we got our second, you know, our, we we found our second stomachs. We got a second wind, and even saving this so like so late in the day, like top two, top three marketplace for kitchen the noodle exchange is very much up there. Yeah, I think it's up there, and it's probably up there in the top three. Yeah, probably top three. But yet, there's still. (laughs) (laughs) If you're still, if you're still with us, if you're eating along with us at home, there's still a couple more that we need to go and visit. However, I think in the interest of fairness, we also realize that we can't necessarily, and I think adequately, tackle something like. Like brewing the at the Epcot experience has one, two, three, four, five, six. There are five different types of wings that are there: garlic parmesan, barbecue, teriyaki sesame, traditional buffalo. I'm coming up with an idea as I'm going through this, and mango habanero that Chef Brandon said are spicy. There's also a cheese and pepperoni flatbread. We'll just save those for another time. But I think in order to give their wings their due. Wait, I'm so excited. We need to come back on a Wednesday night during a live show and eat them there. If only there was somebody, anybody, who would come back here with me and enjoy these with me live. I'll find somebody. I think that's the way to go. Because if you're going to do wings, you got to do wings right. You can't be like full and be like, oh, I'll take a taste of a wing. Let's just have wing night. <gasps> wing night, Wednesday wing, wing night. Wednesday, Wednesday wing, wing night. night. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> like, I'm schmitzing not just from the heat, but from the excitement about brewing at the Epcot Experience. When it'll be inside and with air conditioning yeah. the whole yeah. time. It'll be, it'll be nighttime. Longer. Yeah. Okay. We did come out in the, in the heat of the day. Uh, but I think what we should do, because again, we're not even hitting every single kiosk. Um, there's one beverage... I think that we need to try. And I think maybe we do need to maybe get a little something sweet for dessert to, to round out our day and then recap our, uh, our adventures. In the interest of fairness and to be as complete in our review as possible, I am very well aware that we have not talked about many of the beverages that are available. Every kiosk has multiple, usually beer, wine and or cocktail pairings and many of them also have a number of non-alcoholic ones now admittedly i am not a big drinker really at all maybe a sip of sake every so often but there was one that we tried last time we were here that knocked my little socks off so much and i was sort of saving this for you ash i'm like we're gonna this was very much part of the strategy to end on here, because we are at Earth Eats, which is on the walkway in between World Showcase and Future World, going by the Imagination Pavilion. And here, 
they have a wonderful sort of garden seating area with umbrellas and picnic tables and um, tall boy tables. And while there's a number of great, uh, there's an Impossible Burger and, and other plant-based options here, there's also a spiced chai, wait, a Twinings spiced, hold that for a second, wait a minute, I want to get this right. It is a spiced apple Twinings of London chai tea, a non-alcoholic, and there's also one with whiskey. We all decided to go non-alcoholic. I love this drink so much. Uh, it's light and refreshing and sweet and a little spicy. It's almost like an iced hot toddy with yeah. a little cinnamon stick in it. It's, a, it's surprising. Wait, wait. <laughs> I just put, I, I I just put the drink in front of her face instead of the microphone. I'll take your drink. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was surprised at this. I wasn't expecting it to be as wonderful as it is. It just, I love it. It's so refreshing. And everything you said about it being like the apple flavor and the sweetness, it's just such a perfect drink for a hot day. Yeah, I think when we got this last time, we were both shocked, like totally shocked by it. And um, yeah, I'm sure it's delicious with the whiskey, but you certainly don't need it. It, it tastes a lot more apple cidery. Than I expected it to. I think the first time I got it, I expected it to be like, just taste like a tea bag that had a little bit of like apple flavor to it. And it's like this punch of like apple and cinnamon. They serve it to you like actually with um, a cinnamon stick. And yeah, it's just, it's the perfect drink. And they actually share the recipe on one of the signs just outside. So you can get the, the Twinings chai tea and make this at home. And it's a very simple recipe. I took a picture of it so I can get my daughter to make it for me because I love this so, so much. And you're right. Like, I feel my core temperature go down. I feel my smile widen. Like, this drink literally just makes me happy. It's a hidden gem. It really is. As I was not expecting that. I really love it. Yeah, there's, like, no reason in the world why you would gravitate toward, like, the, you know, spiced apple twinings of London chai tea that happens to be, like, an Earth Eats boot as you're walking toward Future World. Um, and it's just, it's, I get, I love finding this kind of thing because it just makes me know that there are so many other things out there that we haven't tried yet that are so delicious because there's no reason that we just kind of stumbled on it. And there was no reason that, like, right. we would have. Right. This, it, I think it's it's representative of the many unexpected hidden gems that you'll find as you walk through and and why you need to sort of venture sometimes outside your comfort zone and say hey i'm gonna i'll spend four five six dollars and, and invest and try something a little bit different this is so good mm -hmm. like this is and like there's these three like adirondack chairs under umbrellas like just sitting here with a beautiful view this is a nice way i can't say to end the day because we have one more stop before we go. Before we <laughs> but we're going to sit here and savor this for just a couple of minutes. We couldn't end our culinary tour of the Epcot International Food and Wine Festival without a little bit dessert. And you all did so very well eating your dinner tonight that I got you not one, but two from not one, but two different locations. Flavors are Fired, which is hosted by NFL on ESPN this year, actually has some really cool NFL tie-ins and special events and things like that throughout the year. We decided to go, based on Chef Brandon's recommendation, with the S'mores Whoopie Pie, which is smoked chocolate cake, graham cracker, marshmallow, chocolate ganache, and candied bacon on top. 
which I didn't see until just now. We also walked over to the donut box where they have the candy jar donut with M&Ms and Snickers and Twix, a sriracha glazed donut, a donut of the day, and they also have a crispy chicken on the sriracha glazed donut, which I would love to try, but I'm just not in a physical, I have no physical ability to eat a sriracha glazed donut with crispy chicken tonight. But they had two different chef's donuts of the day. They had a lemon blueberry, and they also had a black forest. Now, we've tried the lemon blueberry before, so I figured we'd get a little crazy and get the black forest. Um, the lemon blueberry one we really liked. Uh, it was really nice. It was a nice, light donut. It wasn't overly sweet with the lemon and the blueberry. But now we're going to have a little bit of a chocolate explosion going on here. So um, let's. why don't we start off with the black forest donut, because Chef Brandon spoke so highly of the whoopie pie. So, ladies, I invite you to uh, to dig in. All right, so we're, we're, we're double fisting this. We just tried the Black Forest Cake Donut. It's fine. It was a little on the dry side. We definitely liked the, the Chef Donut of the day, which they also had, which was the lemon blueberry. Had that filling inside, which had a little bit of moistness to it. It was a little bit... Yeah, uh, this was a little bit dense. We all agree. Yes, it was. It was really dry. Topping was good, but the the cake itself for the donut bottom was dry. Yeah, I didn't love it. I'm not a huge chocolate person to begin with, um, but the donut itself was a little dry. And we actually we had had the sriracha donut another time. And again, like I get the concept, and like and it just was a little drier once it got to us. But wait, there's more. This is why. Listen. I'm not an amateur. I've done this for 17 years. There's a reason why we got two desserts and took Chef Brandon's recommendation because we also had the s'mores whoopie pie pylon? Pylon. Oh, pylon. It's it's the NFL pun. There you go. Thoughts? Way better than the first dessert. Fluffy chocolate kissed with a toasted marshmallow and a nice little graham cracker that's not too crunchy because I don't like when they're really hard either. I like them when they're softer. And it just meshed together with that little bacon crispies on top for the savory kiss at the top. Perfect. It was great. I mean, it's much, much better than the donut box thing. It's it's a moist, like, light cake. It's not overly heavy at all, which is shocking given that it's, like, chocolate, marshmallow, and bacon. Um, the bacon is very, very, like, slightly just barely there, which is exactly what you need. Again, like, I'm not a huge chocolate person, so it might not be the thing that I run back and get again. I would probably get that blueberry and lemon donut before I would get either of these, but that's totally personal preference. It's it's a really good dessert. It's really, really good. So I will admit I was almost a little hesitant to get this mm-hmm. because I'm not a huge sweets guy. Right. I'm going to have to hand my card in. I don't love marshmallow. So I was a little concerned. I love this. And I'm so happy you cut it into fours because I'm going to, I normally would be a gentleman offered, I'm going to eat that last one. It's delicious. It's super light. I love the chocolate. Oh, no, the kiss. It's got like, whatever. I love the chocolate ganache. And you just, if you didn't tell me there was bacon, you almost wouldn't sort of get the hint of it. Like it's. Very subtle. Right. So if you happen to be standing by and looking over and thinking about the s'mores whoopie pie donut, as my new friend is doing, I'm telling you to just get in that non-existent line, by the way, and go get it. But wait, there also is the crispy chicken on sriracha glazed donut. If only there was somebody, anybody who might be close by who tried it, 
my friend Casey Jones just happens to be here, and you had the donut, and your first word was, it is... Messy. <laughs> messy, messy, messy. It's not a first date donut. It's no, not a... No, absolutely not, no. But I got it because I love chicken sandwiches, and the with the donut and chicken comparison, there's obviously comparison to, like, Everglaze, which yeah. I love. Um, I ha- <laughs> I like Everglades more. I'm not gonna lie. I think the chicken is there is better, um, and this is just kind of messy in general. I kind of give it like a six out of ten. Is I, it, do you get the spicy and sweet? Going? There's definitely a kick. I don't know if I would use the word spicy though. So it's not that I don't trust you, but I'm gonna have to go back and try it again for research. when I haven't been eating all day long completely. But go and do it, man. That's. Um, I really like that again. I like the whoopie, I would whoopie get that pie. Again. I, would, I would totally get that again. I liked it a lot. I, we'll split a whoopie pie, and yes. she can have the lemon blueberry one. But I want to fight it for lemon blueberry, though. Well, obviously. <laughs> you know, but that's a, that's a really nice way. Like, I told you, strategically, like, whenever I go out to eat, I try and, like, prepare myself for what's going to be the final flavor that sort of sit on my palate. This is a really nice way to end what was a lovely, wonderful incredibly hot and humid but still such a fun and delicious day we clearly did more than 10 places and things to eat but was there any one or more standout for you from everything that we tried today so i think i'm not shocked i'm not surprising myself so i think my very favorite things that i had were um as a as a whole the japan booth i think it's just a crazy standout this year and that box sushi with the um salmon and tuna on it is probably my favorite thing at that particular booth and then the noodles i think that i and i still like as good as i much as i love the shrimp i think the udon is is my favorite at that booth which is another just standout booth in general and there's some repeat things that we didn't get to do to we didn't we chose not to do today like flavors from fire we had the whoopie pie, but we didn't have the chimichurri, which is always one of our favorites every year, and it's worth mentioning, even though we didn't eat it again today. That's why we have to come back again and again. My favorite dish of today was the pimento cheese with the pork rinds. I absolutely, I, I didn't think I'd ever pick something like that. I typically do not eat any pork products at all. That's not in my diet, and I ate it with a spoon like you told everybody and gave my secret away that I actually ate it without any pork rind on the spoon. But I, I really loved that dish. I liked how it wasn't as dense as regular um, cheese would be, the mento cheese. They, they smoothed it out and made it creamier so you can pick up more with the chips. So I really loved that. And the second thing is I did love the sushi as well from the Japan booth. Uh, I like the shape of it. It was different. Um, the tempura flakes on top, the flavor of the volcano sauce is spicy, but just enough. It was a great finish. And um, lastly, I, I like the noodles booth too. I, I would give that my my new, the new one that I really was shocked at that I didn't know how it was going to be. And I think they did a very great job. When you said the spicy pork rind, Literally, he jumped up in the air and threw his fist like Rocky Balboa at the end of Rocky Two. You like that? So, so wait, what's your name? And tell me why you like that so much. Uh, hi, I'm Quinn. So, I'm from Oklahoma. So, pork rinds uh, was shoved into your mouth when you're born. You know, so I'm a big fan of pork rinds, and I never thought it would be uh, considered maybe an upscale uh, opportunity and to share, you know, the, the the taste of pork rinds with pimento. So, I've had that combination before. And it's always been a little bit, uh, you know, standoffish for people. But now that's here, I think everybody will be able to try it. And then now be able to share the love of pork rinds that Midwesterners have. So, 
I dig me pork rinds. I justify it as a somewhat healthy-ish food. And you know what is interesting also, which maybe not a lot of people will be able to know, that that dish, pork rinds and the pimento cheese, is also an offering at the Club 33 at Walt Disney World at Captain's Quarters. So you're really actually, I think, getting a little bit of taste that a lot of us won't be able to get uh, from Club 33. So they brought it out here. That is really nice to know. It's one of the things that I wish would remain as an offering like somewhere, anywhere, other than Club 33, so we can all get to it, because I thought it was that good. You know, it's interesting, because we all are on the exact same page in terms of, I think, the booths and the items that we love best. I think the, the pork rinds is a standout. I think the sushi is a standout, as well as the Japan Pavilion. And I also agree that everything that we had at the noodle box, uh, the, the, noodle, the noodle exchange, was outstanding. Like, there's no bad item on the menu there. Wow, we had a lot of really, really good stuff today. Um, stuff that sort of, I think, tested the limit sometimes of, of adventurous, how, how adventurous of an eater you want or can be, which I think is what the beauty of the festival is. Um, we've been here eating and recording nonstop for almost six and a half hours. Um, we still didn't get to see and tackle it all. You should be very proud. Take a bow, both of you. Um, you have been troopers, especially in the heat. But like I said, there are reasons to come back for classics that we missed. Mexico, I'm looking at you. A number, a, Hawaii, yeah, a number of other booths, as well as the ones that are going to open. It says October 1st. Chef Brandon sort of hinted that they might open earlier. Uh, I'm looking to see not only returning favorites, but some new classics as well. Uh, I certainly want to hear from you. What is your favorite either booth or individual item at this year's Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. You can let me know by, one, posting in the clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. I'll post that question there. You can also call in the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Better yet, call me from the festival. Let me hear it while you're doing it or as you're finishing it, and I will play it on the air. Uh, you can also just send me an email, and I will I will read that or post a review as well. Um, Lisa, Ashley, thank you so very much for being here. Quinn, Casey, so good to see you guys as we wrap our day up. Uh, just very quickly, tell people where they can find you. Lisa, you can find me at thecastlerun.com. Um, or over on Instagram at the Castle Runner. I'm also on Facebook under my personal name, Lisa Donato Glasner, as well as um, my group and face my my Facebook group and my page for the Castle Run. Okay, Ashley, and my uh, blog is acupofcharming.com, and you can find me over on Instagram and Twitter at a cup of charming. And I will post links to all of that fun stuff that you do and share uh, in the show notes at www.radio.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for coming along with us today. Um, I hope that you felt as, the, as though you were walking along. This was, was a lot of fun. We'll definitely come back, and we will absolutely, I promise you, we will come back on Wednesday night, and we will do not one, not two, but all of the chicken wings live. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Turn on notifications on the WW Radio page on Facebook and on the Clubhouse as well. If you could come back tomorrow and only eat one thing, what would it be? Quick, don't even think about it. Mental cheese. The udon noodles. I'll say the sushi just so we can all share. Yeah, that, is. <laughs> that makes a perfect trio of dishes right there. This was a good day. Okay.
So it was a good day. I'm very happily full. Every day in Epcot is a good day, but today was really good. There's no way I could ride Test Track right now. That's, a, oh. that's what you hear in the background. There's no way I could ride Test Track right now. What's the name of the WWE. Oh, remember Jason? He was here with us like six hours ago. Thank you, Jason, for being here with the Magic 2. We missed you. It feels like ancient history. Like, it feels like so long ago. It feels like yesterday that Jason was here. Remember Jason? I'm glad he wore a cool shirt to remember him by. (laughs) A moment of silence for our memories of Jason. time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details of what you see, hear, remember, or even taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. And this week's trivia contest is brought to you by you. I'm not kidding. As part of the WW Radio Nation, you literally help bring every episode of WW Radio to life Every live broadcast, whether it's from the parks or the home studio, the contests, the giveaways, they're all thanks to you. And you can find out how you can help for as little as a dollar per month and also get cool exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts, group video calls, trivia quests, access to our private Facebook group, shirts, stickers, monthly care packages, and much more. You can find out how to help by visiting www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, in honor of the release of the Jungle Cruise movie, both in theaters, yay, and on Disney+, Plus, yay, I asked you to tell me, what are the names of the four rivers in the Jungle Cruise? First, thanks to the hundreds of you who entered, got this one correct, and know that the rivers are the Amazon in South America, the Congo in Africa, the Nile in Egypt, also in Africa, and the Mekong River in Cambodia and Southeast Asia. I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and once again, last week, you were playing for a prize package that includes, but is not limited to, a WW Radio pin, keychain, sticker. I'm also going to throw in another surprise contest prize as well. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Eric Coleman. So, Eric, congratulations. You use the online form, so I have your shipping address, and we'll get your prize packet out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, because it's food and wine festival time, we're talking about the festival, and I'm always hungry. Let's keep it festival-related. And as you may or may not know, the first official Epcot food and wine festival was held back in 1996, and it was actually the brainchild of George Caligridis. Your question this week is to tell me, though, how long did that first festival in 1996 last? I'm not talking about the weekend festival that was once held in previous years, but the first official food and wine festival that was held in 1996. You have until Sunday, August 8th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, Use the form there, and again, you're going to play for a prize package that you can only win here that includes the pin, keychain, stickers, and a mystery prize. So good luck, and have fun. 
that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Please let me know your favorite dish at this year's Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. Maybe what you want to try most or what sounded best to you. You can let me know by coming to post over in the WW Radio Clubhouse. That is our fun, family-friendly, very, very welcoming group over on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also let me know. We heard on the air by calling the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. Or by emailing me with a question or a comment, lou at www.radio.com. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest. And be sure to like the WW Radio page and turn on notifications at facebook.com slash WW Radio. Why turn on notifications? Because in addition to our Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern live video show, I'm going to be going live much more often with Let's Talk and Let's Walk segments, including unscheduled live shows, not just from the Walt Disney World Parks and Resorts, but I'll be live from Megacon. It's a huge comic sci-fi movie convention here in Orlando, August 13th. We're also going to go live discussing new movies like Jungle Cruise and What If coming to Disney Plus in just a couple of weeks. And speaking of Marvel's What If and other movies and TV shows that are coming, please be sure and join our spoiler support group over at www.radio.com slash spoilers. It's a great, safe place to come, unless you don't like spoilers, to talk about theories, links, whatever may be coming in the Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars universe. Also, nice segue, speaking of Marvel, don't forget to join us not online, not on screen, but at sea for our Marvel Day at Sea cruise coming up February 5th through the 10th. If you can't make that, you can also join us on not one, but two different cruises on the brand new Disney Wish. June 20th is a four-night inaugural cruise, or December 5th is a very merry time cruise. And by the way, Walt's birthday, visit www.radio.com slash events to find out more. Speaking of events, In Walt Disney World, not necessarily Disney-related, although there will be a lot of discussion about how Disney delivers great customer service and how we can be inspired by Disney and apply it to what we're doing in our businesses, online, on social. So I invite you to come and join me again for my Momentum Weekend Workshop coming back to Walt Disney World this November 13th and 14th. Tickets go on sale Monday at 9 a.m. at lumangelo.com slash momentum. There you can find out more about this 50-person event, what's new, why you should attend, some frequently asked questions, and you can also take advantage of our early bird special discounted pricing. I'll also be going live on my personal Facebook page. I'll share it in the WW Radio Clubhouse, discussing more about Momentum Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern at facebook.com slash I mentioned earlier the WW Radio Nation. I want to say huge thanks once again for your love, support, friendship, and help. I love being able to give back to you each month. I want to thank some new members of the WW Radio Nation, including Grace Corba, Julie Voris, Kim Davis, Angie Robinson, and Eric Garcia. If you want to find out how you can help the show, you can visit www.radio.com support. And if I can help you get from where you are to where you want to be, in your business, with your brand, visit loumangelo.com and find out how I can work with you with one-on-one mentoring, small group coaching, or by coming to speak to your business, your conference, or your event. Again, that's loumangelo.com. Thanks, as always, to Becky Mankin and the entire team over at mousefantravel.com. Whether you're coming to world, land, cruise, or any destination, they can help you with the best possible prices, all available discounts, all at no cost to you at mousefantravel.com. 
And finally, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, and I really mean that, if you like the show, please help spread the word. Share a link to this or your favorite episode on social, in your favorite Facebook group, on your Instagram stories. Please be sure and tag me to make sure that I see it. And if you can, take just 30 seconds to rate and review the show over an Apple podcast. It is incredibly helpful. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Cabo45375067, who says, I'm so thankful for WW Radio and Lou Mangiello. I've been listening to the show for many years now. There's really nothing about the podcast that isn't top-notch, perfectly, personally, and professionally executed. It blows my mind that Lou can come up with so much unique content with each episode, and he delivers it with such genuine passion and love that you just feel like you're sitting around a table chatting about a subject that inspires such fun and optimism. There's plenty of podcasts on the subject, and I've listened to many of them. Many of them are great, but only Lou takes a defined stance of focusing on being the good, and with that comes the medicinal breath of fresh air that has served so many of us well for as long as we've been listening, especially in the last trying year. A big thank you for being with us, Lou, while we drive, work out, mow the lawn, and while we work. Wow, Cabo 457-453-75067. Thank you so, so very much for that. And the Mallory family says, it's my favorite podcast. I love everything about WW Radio, from the family-oriented content, top tens, reviews, and so much more. Lou and his cast of characters are funny and friendly to listen to and always brighten my day. I can't wait to meet everyone. I can't wait to you to meet you as well, Yanis Mallory, and your entire family, as well as you, Cabo. Again, just search for WW Radio and Apple Podcasts. Leave a review there. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am giving you the biggest virtual hugs to let you know how much I love and appreciate you and how much I hope that the show has brightened your day or your week, given you something to smile or in this week's case to be hungry about and that it does help you choose the good in everything that you do and find the good wherever that you can and be the good for other people as well. I hope to see you on one of the Facebook live shows this week or at the very least back here again next week. I hope that this truly is your best week ever. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, this is Emily in Tennessee. I just got done listening to the episode about which attractions need to be made into movies. And one of you mentioned making a series of Haunted Mansion. And it just got me into thinking about the perfection that was um, Haunting of Hill House on Netflix and how amazing that sort of take would be on Haunted Mansion, just going through and focusing on each individual ghost and then bringing it all together at the end. It would be amazing and incredible, and I think they need to do it. Thanks for everything. Have a great day. I hope you all had a good time with the meetup. See you later. Bye. Hi, Lou Mangiello. This is David Dossie calling from Ocala, Florida. I wanted to call and say that I really enjoyed your most recent top ten on the best attractions attractions to be turned into movies. Really enjoyed hearing your lists. And I was also super, super happy that you mentioned making uh, the Magic Kingdom movie based on the Kingdom Keepers books. Uh, I absolutely love the Kingdom Keepers series. I've read them since I was a kid. Uh, I wanted to be a Kingdom Keeper. Uh, you know, I thought it would be so cool to be in Disney at night by yourself and fight to save you know, the Disney parks with your friends. And so for a long time, it's been a hope of mine that one day uh, Disney would turn uh, would turn it into a film. And I remember the announcement 
uh, back in 2012, I think, that there was going to be a movie. I think it was just called The Magic Kingdom, uh, which was to be directed by John Favreau. And I even remember Ridley coming on your show, I think, at the D23 Expo in 2015, uh, when you were live broadcasting. And he said that he had written or was writing an actual screenplay for a Kingdom Keepers movie. Uh, so I'm not sure whatever came of that, but I really would have liked to have seen what John Favreau would have done with it. Uh, like you, I'm a, I'm a big fan of John Favreau's. Of course, I love his Disney directorial stuff, but like you, I also really like Chef and Elf. And I'm a Friends fan also, so I know him as the rich boyfriend of Monica for a few episodes. But uh, but I, I digress. And, uh, you know, I might have told you this before, but it was through the Kingdom Keepers books that I actually came to find your show. Uh, Ridley Pearson has mentioned you several times throughout the series of books. And I guess I thought, I wonder what this Walt Disney World radio thing is, and I wonder if it's real. So I looked it up online, and the rest is history, I guess. Uh, but that was when I was in seventh grade, and I'm now 19, going into my second year of college. Uh, so it goes without saying, but I'm really glad that I discovered you and uh, the show and the community when I did. Uh, but anyways, who knows? Maybe... Maybe if a movie does get made, maybe you can have a cameo appearance in it as well. Perhaps Finn and the other Keeper's missions might take them to the boathouse, and you can be there with a clue or something. Anyways, thanks, Lou. Hope you uh, hope you had a great time in California. Uh, I really enjoyed following along with your broadcasts and uh, social media posts that you've been sharing. And now that they're back, I hope me and my mom can see you again in person at an upcoming Meet of the Month. Anyways, take care, Lou. Thanks as always. Goodbye for now.